the readiness for school is actually the readiness for life. Hello, welcome to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. This is our mom and daughter podcast. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter, I live in New York. And I'm Vicky, the mom, I live in Los Angeles. We're figuring out life from opposite coasts. Doing our best to cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe. So mom, let's talk. Hello, Ingrid. Hello, mom. How are you? I'm well. It's been a little while since we've talked on a recording. That's right. But here we are again. We have a lot planned for the next few months, lots of different topics and sort of series of podcasts, which I'm excited about. So it's kind of exciting to think of the trajectory of our podcast and how it's grown and changed as we have grown and changed. And that's why we came up with the whole idea of, oh, maybe we could do two or three podcasts on the same topic, just exploring different nuances of it. Yeah. Yeah. It is. When you look back at our very first year, it was a lot of life updates, which are still really fun, but hopefully we'll continue to talk about things that are really helpful for women of all ages in all their relationships, Mm -hmm. which is so much of a mother-daughter relationship. Yeah, because a mother-daughter relationship continues throughout life. And that is part of the topic, the theme of what we're doing and seeing how our mother-daughter relationship grows and continues and changes. And we talk about different subjects as time goes on. So today's topic, I was surprised that it was helpful to talk about that in this time, actually, because today's topic is school readiness. We get ready for schools for a lot of our lives. <laughs> and when we feel that we have finished looking for schools for ourselves or, or getting ready for schools for ourselves, we then ready our children. Yeah. But I thought it was really helpful for you to mention that that actually starts in February, March, because I thought, oh, school starts in September. Let's wait till then to talk about getting ready for school. But of course, to get ready, you mm-hmm. need some months. Yeah. That at ha- having now had three kil- children all grown up, is what I realized is that uh, people do start planning so far in advance or just thinking about it. So not necessarily planning for school, but just like, what things do I need to think about? It's not like you have a child. I don't have young children anymore, but we thought, um, it is kind of worthwhile sometimes to throw it out there and be ready for it. I know when I had children, I, I didn't really know what to expect. This is kind of a not what to expect when you're expecting, but <laughs> down the road. Totally. We're looking way ahead. So Well, and that's the joy of this podcast, hopefully, in, in our listener base, is that you are all in different portions of being a woman. Right. So if you have a young child getting ready to go to school for the first time, if you are looking for colleges yourself and everyone in between, there are some themes that are consistent about what to look for in the community that you're about to be a part of Mm -hmm. and how to ready yourself there. Do you have a sort of short list? Maybe we could start timeline wise with, you know, elementary school, et cetera. You've brought three girls Mm -hmm. through how to start going to school ever. Mm -hmm. And I, I have an inkling that those kinds of themes are going to be actually pretty consistent for the rest of our lives. But when you started putting us in schools, what were some things that you 
didn't know you needed to do to get ready? Well, there's the like the general categories are social emotional. Oh, are is your child socially emotionally ready to interact with other children? Mm-hmm. And that you know continues throughout all the ages. Are they ready for that next stage? What is going to come up in the next stage? Are they ready for? And then there's the academic. Are they ready academically? And if you're like going into preschool or kindergarten, you shouldn't have to have too many academics. Although in the United States these days, people are kind of anticipating that you know more than you used to need to. Mm-hmm. So there's some things to be aware of. Then underlying processing skills. So these kind of hit on two topics that are near and dear to me. And that's why that probably why I thought of it in the first place, because I work with people with weak underlying processing skills. Mm-hmm. And I teach parenting classes. Mm. I teach a parenting exceptional child class and a parenting preschool class. Yeah. So that this is it. <laughs> this is the time of year when people are thinking of, okay, where is my child going next year? Is my child choosing schools? Mm-hmm. Is my child going to be in the same school, just a different grade? Mm-hmm. What do I need to prepare my child for? That's kind of why it was on my radar to talk about and think about anyway. And it's really not a stage of life you're in, except for you do, in the quarantine stage of life, work with a kindergartner. I do. I do. I work with a kindergartner who's just figuring out school for the first... I think she did some sort of preschool last year, but this was supposed to be the year of sort of indoctrination into the American school system and... (laughs) truthfully, it's probably a more accurate indoctrination than most of the rest of us got because it's unorganized to the max. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't follow a schedule in so many ways. And really, I mean, I think that's more true than it probably should be. There's lots to fix in our educational system. But it's definitely unconventional because she's home most of the time, which is super different. More like when you went to school and it was a half-day kindergarten. Actually, yeah. Most kids well, nowadays go to full-day kindergarten. Full-day kindergarten. Yeah, but I think the thing this year is that marriage of school and home, where at least when I went to kindergarten, it was like, this is school time. And then you came home and this was home time. Versus sitting in the comfort of your own bedroom, going through the stress of a new school system. Like, there's there's uncomfortability here, but it's inserted into my place of safety so how does that change my place of safety how does that change the way that I interact with school I wonder if there's something there like there's statistics about how you're not supposed to have your desk in your bedroom because you need to separate the two yeah 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 so that the place where your bed is is an actual sanctuary for when Mm. you want to decompress and fall asleep which again like it's kind of funny that that kind of statistic is there now that I think about it because that assumes that you have the sort of lifestyle that would include the freedom for multiple rooms, which Mm -hmm. is tied to socioeconomic status and just lifestyle, because most people in New York can't do that. I just don't have the space, you know? Where do I want to put my desk? Either in my kitchen or my bedroom. Those are my (laughs) options. Yeah, that's true. So what has surprised you about the little kindergartner you've been with this year? On the one hand, I've been surprised at how wonderfully she's adapted But I think that's because adapting is the wrong word. She doesn't know anything yet, so there's nothing to adapt to. This is just how she knows school works. Mm. So that's an interesting segue when talking about school readiness, because I think there's probably a lot more readiness for parents than children in some senses when it comes to going to school. The parents are ready to send their kids to school? Or they need to be readied in ways that they don't know. Like Hmm. the grief of of this year, all the stages of grief that 
the world went through when it came to how different school and education was going to look in our system. I think there's an argument for that really showing itself on parents more than children. Hazel had no, had had nothing to go off of, Mm. you know? So Mm -hmm. yes, she's sad to not go to school in school all day, the way she did last year in preschool. And she is annoyed by having to stare at a screen all the time. Like there's there's something emotionally taxing about that because it is so taxing for your brain. Mm-hmm. But the real like tumult of the year, it seemed like was felt more by her parents who had all of the expectations for what school was going to be like for their daughter. Mm-hmm. And then they weren't met. <laughs> and it was a crushing blow that I think is continues to be crushing the more that things change and are not the same or you know they aren't something that's trustworthy at all Mm -hmm. and that's increasingly frustrating for the parents yeah yeah I think it's been shocking for parents to see their kids try to go through school at home right mostly on a screen and and um the uh, young kids I would say be seven or eight and younger are not designed to be on a screen and interact with the screen so much, which is something that is so difficult. One of the things I think is so difficult is if it's a Zoom setting, they can see themselves. And we don't normally try to function while we look at ourselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that gets super distracting. And I know teachers try to pin the teacher so the child is talking to the teacher. But yeah, there's just a lot of complexity that goes into it. I would say the other main thing that is dis- different is the movement, the amount of oh, yeah. movement that kids need and the expectation that parents have that kids will sit still. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they're in a traditional cla- kindergarten classroom, they are probably up and down every few minutes. Right. And the teachers are trained to know that they shouldn't be sitting still. Yeah. Yeah. So, but parents are like, you need to sit in front of the screen because you're doing this now for 25 minutes or something like that, Mm -hmm. where I think teachers have had to adapt and realize, okay, no more than 10 minutes for my little kindergartners until I have to move again. Right. And I think that that is, you know, I can imagine parents getting upset with their kids for being too full of movement and not still enough i'm listening to um, an audiobook right now called brain rules and it is about one of the main rule is exercise and the guy that wrote it john medina said the school of the future will have a uniform and the uniform will be gym clothes and it'll be six hours of movement punctuated by learning and he said that is the ideal way that our brains were designed to learn. Wow. So, and he wrote that book a while ago, so I'm wondering how long it'll take till more teachers adopt it. (laughs) Maybe it's just wishful thinking as far as the future goes. But I I think that's an interesting idea. I love these three main sections that you've already pointed to. Social, emotional, academic, oh, and, and processing speed. Because I had a moment when you were explaining, are they ready socially and emotionally to like engage with this level of humanity, I thought to myself, the amount of times I sit on my couch and think, I'm not socially and emotionally available to go to work today. (laughs) I think it really does actually span further than, are you ready to go to school this year? Mm -hmm. Which makes sense because more of school than we think is about 
preparing you for society versus preparing you for the actual amount of facts that you know. I don't remember the facts that I learned in school unless I use them in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. But I learned how to interact with other people and, and how to sit still and how to reflect and listen with my body and show people that I was available and interested and communicative, you know. There are psychologists who are starting to look at that now that we've been in pandemic almost a year and quarantine and they're saying we're getting we're forgetting our um, social interaction skills. And so some people say that they have like anxiety or they're shy or something like that. And it's not that's not really true. It's just like they're not around people very much anymore. So they kind of for, forgotten how to interact socially. It's hard to adapt. Yeah. So let's talk about that then. If you are getting ready for school, whether it's for your child or yourself, mm-hmm. one thing to know is that you are going to have a hurdle of some kind mm-hmm. when you get there. Mm-hmm. So getting ready for school is not about avoiding hurdles altogether. It's about minimizing how big they are, perhaps. Mm-hmm. It's probably easiest to talk about if I was working with a child about to go to school for the first time. Mm-hmm. What kinds of events can I do between now and February and late August when they go to school next year to acclimate them to large groups of children? You know, mm. what can I can I create solutions where I am away from my child for hours at a time so that they start to practice feeling okay without mom there. Mm-hmm. Like, so that it's still going to be shocking when they go to kindergarten for the first day and mom's not there, mm-hmm. but it won't be totally foreign. Yeah, that's a helpful thing to think through and talk through. And I, I don't know, there's a lot of schools that might not be actually meeting in session in the fall because not enough people will have been immunized. But if they do go back to school, then this uh, talk taking them to the school, looking at the setting with them and having those short periods of time, you know, I'm going to be gone for half an hour here. Now I'm going to be gone for a longer time, but I will come back and and getting them used to that expectation because that separation anxiety is a big thing for Mm -hmm. a lot of elementary schoolers, not just kindergartners. Oh yeah. 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 And then I think you can take that just as far when you're moving high schools or when you're moving across the country or definitely to college, you know, depending on what age group you're in, what what kind of school you're getting ready for. Mm. It's harder, you, you usually take a, t- a college tour. If you're going across the country, you may not be able to, to get to know that area quite so much. But I think inadvertently, I did a lot of that going before I went to Nashville. I listened to country music a lot that year. <laughs> I did just like cultural things that were a part of that culture going into. And then the other challenge, I think, for someone like an 18-year-old is... Do do you have enough awareness of the big world, which I'd say, meh, probably not always, but do, <laughs> do you do you have enough awareness to, to understand why it would be important for you to practice giving yourself a budget before you go to college or hmm. to make your own meals, to learn how to do your own laundry, like those kinds of things that are going to be hurdles in college. So can you lower that hurdle level now? I had never been to a laundromat until I moved to New York. Mm. My first day in a laundromat, I was a fish out of water, and the really beautiful Dominicans that ran it were <laughs> spoke very broken English, but they could tell that I just didn't know what I was doing, and so they like walked me over to the right sized oh, machine machine because I was going to go to like the big machine, which I totally could have used, but it's twice as expensive, and they're like, you don't need that much. So they come over mm. here and they like helped me through it, 
but it was a really awkward experience and it was like a little frightening because it's new. So of course there's going to be hurdles like that that come up, but if you can think of them, how do you practice that beforehand, you know, before you get to college and you don't have any way? Well, that's a kind of interesting thing. I mean, I, I would say that that's great that you went through that because that's a growing up experience, a learning experience. And I think I set you up for being able to navigate new experiences, unexpected experiences, graciously, without too much anxiety. That's an interesting point. So maybe that that in itself was a lowering of that hurdle mm-hmm. because you spent years with us going to restaurants where we didn't speak the language, going to like traveling. It doesn't really matter where it is, just like going to experiences where or even taking we had the train. To have some gumption. Right. Taking the train and having you guys read the signs, like what side of the train do we get on? What stop do we get off on? Can you follow the subway signs? Yes. Totally. Yeah. I remember dad walking through the airport with me saying, you get to tell us how to get to the plane, which mm-hmm. was a huge deal because I was about to go across the country and then fly back and forth by myself. By yourself. <laughs> what I were already learning is that the readiness for school is actually the readiness for life. Mm-hmm. Other specific things that you can do when you are getting ready to go to school the next year, I would say if we're going to look more specifically at schools would be like learn a little bit about the culture of of the the school or who's the principal what are the big extracurricular activities where they pull pour in money what's mm. the biggest booster club what isn't you know what's the diversity level of the school like, i think there are some important things to know about the way that these people interact with each other even if you're just because there's so many different schools, especially elementary through high school, depending on where you live and what you want to do. You know, sometimes you live in a small town and there's the one public school. And so there you go. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's lots of lotteries for public schools, definitely in our area. And so you mm-hmm. might not know immediately which one you're going to go to, depending on how those lotteries work out and how the school systems are divided per city. And Mm-hmm. Of course, there's many hoops to dump, jump through in private schools with, like, early applications and testing. But there's testing in public schools, too, for placement. Mm. So in all of those areas, regardless of what kind of school you go to, both child and parent can help themselves, I think, by mm-hmm. by starting to at least learn about the community before they are inserted in it. Yeah, we call that previewing. Hmm. You could preview the curriculum, you could preview the school, mm-hmm. and all of that. That's a really good idea. And this is the time of year when some people preview schools if they're considering, you know, am I going to choose a different choice school, a different location, and whatnot. But this yeah. is the time of year to preview that. I, and if they're in full swing, it's still ironic for us to talk about this because no one's at school right now, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. But but even if you're going to go to school online next year, you, you know, if you're going to, you can still try to get to know the community, but you can try to get to know the curriculum too and say, well, like what, what does sixth grade look like? What does 12th grade look like? What does kindergarten look like? Mm-hmm. What, what am I looking towards next year? I can imagine that as a young mom, it would also, it would just feel so overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's true for any part of life, but like we haven't been kindergartners mm-hmm. for a long time, you know? So what am I even supposed to look for? Like it could be part of these that could just be so overwhelming. And so it makes me think about the importance of larger community and 
like having the gumption to reach out to someone a few years older than you mm-hmm. in the process. Always a good idea. Yeah. Like even, I don't know, couldn't, could you just email the front office of this potential school and be like, will you connect me with a PTA member? Yeah, they probably would do that. And I know that parents are concerned when, when I talk to my preschool parents, parents of preschoolers, they're concerned is, is my child ready? How will I know if my child is not ready? Mm -hmm. Like, do they need to know their numbers? Do they need to know their colors? Yeah. There's a lot of like, do I hold them back for a year? What if they don't like picking up a pencil and all of that kind of thing? So uh, it, it's really nice to be able to talk to people you who have gone before, maybe even listen to teachers. You can look up lots of lists now on preschool readiness, kindergarten readiness. You can look up triggers to watch for. You know, do they have? Do they avoid conversations? Can they look people in the eye? Can they? You know, making sure they can go to the bathroom by themselves. Yeah, <laughs> like those kinds of things. Do they just play alongside someone, or can they play with? someone those are kind of social what's so, the difference so there's parallel play where you play alongside someone and then there is playing with someone so i might be sitting next to you playing legos but not talking to you i'm not playing with you i'm just alongside you right so it's i'm not adding my own ideas to this this situation yeah and a yeah. child that can only do that you know that might raise some flags that they might not be able to interact with other kids mm-hmm. and uh, so sometimes then it's a worth a pediatrician conversation to say these are things that I notice. Um, usually it's not a case of holding a student back, but just being aware of what they're having difficulty with. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if that's the case, especially if, like if that was the case, can I sign up my son for this many more playdates with the one mm. f- or two friends? Even if it's a five-year-old, can they, can I sign them up to play with the two-year-old? Because then they'll have to be the leader because it's a two-year-old. Yeah, that's sometimes a good idea to have them play with someone younger because then they it's the uh, skill level is not a concern as much as the are they able to interact and how does that go? Or is it is it me as a parent? Am I feeding them information too quickly when I have a conversation? Mm-hmm. Like maybe the school readiness for both of us is for both of us to practice right now to start the start the lifelong practice of collaborative conversations where. You do really wait a long time at the kitchen table for them to answer, or you ask questions that are open-ended and imaginative, Mm -hmm. not because it's interesting to you, but because it's helpful to them as a child. Yes. And uh, I'm in grad school right now for educational therapy. So one of the interesting things I learned just last week was, and I should have known this having worked with this population of people, but if student takes a long time to answer like as much as 15 seconds Mm. it's not that they don't want to answer it's that they might be processing what you're saying so that's a good point not to have parents be aware that I don't need to rush in and answer if I waited a little longer to listen to my child come up with an idea maybe they would feel less inhibited and then to positively reinforce that idea Mm -hmm. if it's wrong or not I've been fascinated with that in my little kindergartner's classes because I sit in on all of her Zoom classes when I'm there too. And I'm super interested in the way that they teach spelling because there's some level of you need to know these sight words and they're learning phonemes and when it like TH what's that called? There's diagrams. Dyads. Yeah. I think that's just diad. Anyway. Consonant blends. Yeah. Yeah, right. But 
They're also, what I've learned is just they're really trying to instill the like, just try. And so the teacher herself will get to a big word in the sentence, like a word like table, when she's spelling it in with the kids, she's she's like showing them how to sound it out. So she sounds it out, a, b, o, and she doesn't add the e at the end because they wouldn't know that there needs to be an e at the end. And then she moves on. And... And so she'll get through a whole sentence sounding words out and spelling them as they're sounded unless they're sight words. Hmm. So that she's never, like, even introducing the idea of things not playing fair too soon. Because that would get to a point where Hazel would also feel like, I need to ask you about every word because I can tell that I can't trust the way words are spelled. Interesting. That's a very interesting technique. Yeah, yeah. And you know that later she's going to explain the way that E works in sentences. But for now, spell on and at correctly and put your G the right way. And if everything else is wrong, okay. Like, at least you've spelled a full, you've written a full sentence down for me. And as long as you can read it back to me? Yeah. That's perfect. Because so <laughs> I might not table, be able to read it. <laughs> yeah. As a kitchen table, if we're talking, you know, you totally misrepresent the story that we're, we just read, that we're trying to think back through, where is it helpful to adjust that? And where do you just, like, go on with the imagination? I think one of the, that's one of the most difficult struggles a parent has is not nitpicking mm-hmm. on the little things that they know. For me, mm-hmm. I know, you know, if I knew how to spell something, my radar would be wanting to nitpick at that, whereas I might have cut you off from your big idea. Right. So to have the self-control to say, okay, the ultimate thing (laughs) is to have the child be super excited about their big idea. Yeah. Because all those little nitpicky editing things will come later. But if they are so thwarted that they don't want to get their big idea across, if they feel corrected too fast, that they can't even enter into their big idea. Yeah. That's why journals are nice. Mm. Even like little scribbly journals Mm -hmm. for kids. Just even if you, like, parents took time each day right after dinner where everybody gets their journal out and writes a sentence or draws a little picture. Mm -hmm. If you spend time together, a parallel, Mm -hmm. (laughs) actually, then then your child is made aware of cultivating creativity. Yeah. Rather than censoring themselves. Right. So much. So, it's February... You've got the spring to get ready for school next year, (laughs) whether your school is your child's kindergarten or it's the big New York City where you're learning how to be an adult. Mm -hmm. Both is true. Think through the things that scare you or the hurdles you think you're going to come across Mm -hmm. in the social emotional aspect, in the academic one, like just what are the actual skills I might need, Mm -hmm. and in the places where there are slower processing skills. So what do I think is going to take me longer to learn? Mm-hmm. And I guess then the next step is, simply put, like to surround yourself with people that help you lower those hurdles. Yeah, and this is, it's true to our nature to want to preview things, mm-hmm. but it does make things go better if you think about, oh, what's, what am I going to expect? What, well, what are the things I could face? Who could I talk to about that? Mm-hmm. And, that and that's kind of exciting to get I mean, to talk to someone about something. What's coming up? If you're listening to this podcast, you're also a person that is worried about next year and therefore is thinking about it because you have, <laughs> you have reached out enough to click on a podcast about how mm-hmm. to get ready for school. So you're already doing it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, so enjoy your journey, getting ready for yeah, school exactly. or uh, the school of life. That's right. 
and know that there's always going to be hurdles and that's and the goal is not to not have hurdles it's just to um take them as they come be able to pick up after you trip that's on right the hurdles keep going this is a very thoughtful conversation mom thank you all right thank you talk to you next time okay bye bye Thank you for listening to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. If you liked hanging out with us, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback and your support. You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMomPodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website. Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.